Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in today. You know, every week we try to bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you, and today is no exception. I'm super excited to have Pastor Lizette Frazier with us. She is a leader, pastor, communicator, coach. She currently serves as the COO at the recently launched Hillsong Atlanta. For folks that have been living under a rock who don't know who Hillsong is, was founded in 1983 by Brian and Bobby Houston uh, in the suburbs of Sydney. Now they have campuses all over the world. Uh, in I think actually 28 city, uh, countries in the world, if I'm counting collect- cor- correctly, uh, and just super excited to have Lizette uh, on to really jump in and dig dig into where things are at with Hillsong today in Atlanta. So thanks so much for being here, Lizette. Thanks for being here. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. This is going to be great. Why don't you tell us about your role, kind of give us the, the Hillsong Atlanta story, kind of bring us up to speed. Where are things at today? Yeah, I mean, we're uh, we have made it through five weeks of church, guys. It's been around <laughs> forever. Yeah, <laughs> it's been around forever. Um, it is a wild ride. So I serve as a COO or executive pastor, depending on where you want to where yes. we use that term, which is great. Um, yeah, listen, I have known Hillsong forever. If I did not live under a rock, though, I grew up in Canada, so maybe I wouldn't have known. I don't nice. know. Yes. Um, I have always loved them as um, a church and known them really for their music. Mm-hmm. Um, had no idea that I would ever end up working at a Hillsong church that was never in my wildest dreams, honestly, but had spent the last number of years working at a large multi-ethnic multi-site church in California, mm-hmm. got to be really good friends with Sam Collier, who's the lead pastor of Hillsong Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, he kind of jokingly said, do you think you'd ever come join me if I church planted? I was like, I mean, sure. Why not? Sure. <laughs> not that seems easy. like an easy thing to say, right? And totally. then and then here we are. <laughs> because, hey, you know, we all know visionary leaders and they say all kinds of things and then you're yes. not sure they'll ever happen. <laughs> but <laughs> nice. uh, we just watched God just start doing something and inviting our family to move and watching mm-hmm. this whole thing be birthed out here. And so it's a wild ride. We're excited to be on it. Love it. So good. Yeah. So how, you know, the the executive pastor or the COO role looks a little different in every church. Absolutely. What's that look like for you guys? How does that how does that kind of frame up? Give us a sense of what that role looks like for you. That's a good question. I feel like every executive pastor I talk to, I'm like, do you do the same thing I do? Yes. Oh, I don't it's so know. true. <laughs> it's so true. Um, yeah. I mean, right now, especially at the ground level, it feels like we're just doing everything is what it mm. looks like. I mm-hmm. really function really, really closely to Sam, um, Mm -hmm. helping to oversee everything that's happening. And I feel like Mm -hmm. right now where I'm leaning most is um, leadership development, volunteer development, groups development, kind of everything outside of what's happening on the stage on a Sunday morning is really what I would say I focus on most right now. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I I can imagine both in your in your current role and in you know as you've served in other environments, leading change seems to be like at the core of uh, what we do as executive pastors. You know, oftentimes yeah. we're working for uh, Sam's a great and incredible leader, and uh, you know then it's our job to actually make those things happen. It's like, hey, here's a great vision, go make that happen. And so, you know, leading that kind of change, trying to lead through that can be difficult. I'd love to kind of tap your expertise on that when you think about, hmm, we're gonna 
try to lead some change in our organization, where does your mind go? How, how, what are some of the things that you've kind of thought about or led through when you think yeah. about those issues? I love that because when you say expertise, I laugh because I think I've learned from all the mistakes I've made. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. But I mean, I do. I think what we do as leaders is change. You know, mm. everything that we're about is trying to find a way to help something become better, become different, get to where mm. we want it to get to. And I think, um, you know, we don't always know how to move through that best. I sure did it. And I think mm -hmm. what I realized along the way was that I had to start with vision. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't just about changing something underneath or moving something or just knowing I didn't like it. So I had to fix it. It was mm -hmm. about figuring out what the right vision was, what the compelling vision was, what it really mm -hmm. was that God was inviting us to and having clarity on that before I got after anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and when that became clear, it really allowed us to start working on everything else. Mm. How, how yeah. do you, how as an operational leader, how have you kind of drawn that vision out? What have you done to say like, Hey, I want to get a clearer idea of what the vision is that, you know, that God may be pushing us towards, or how have you contributed to the clarity of that, yeah. that vision? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I've contributed yes, to it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, I think a lot of it, I mean, obviously I don't mean this flippantly, but really genuinely prayer is such a big piece mm, of this puzzle, right? So it's true. like trying to seek what the Lord is doing. Mm -hmm. um, I think so often what we realize is we're just not getting the outcome we want. Mm. And there's a sense of discontent we often have in ministry and in our mm -hmm. churches and as leaders where you know something's not right. But I think the biggest thing is what is actually the outcome you desire? And so mm. I think that's what vision looks like in so many ways is defining what is the outcome, you mm -hmm. know, and having some clarity to that. I think we often as churches say, well, we want, you know, fully devoted uh, followers mm -hmm. of Jesus. We want, yes. you know mature disciples. We are, Well, we haven't defined that very well because that could right. mean a whole lot of other things. And so I think for whatever area you're looking at is what does that mean? How do you really clarify what it is you're trying to get after mm -hmm. um, and inviting other people to help build a picture of what that looks like? Mm -hmm. Love that. You know, one of the things uh, I've seen, uh, you know, obviously, as an outsider to the Hillsong movement and, you know, obviously a fan, super fan of what has happened and, and, you know, super fan of even just what's happening in Atlanta. It's so great. One of the things I see consistently is just great storytelling. Great. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, kind of getting the, the story of what God's doing in a way that's transportable and we can kind of hand off to people. Yeah. When you think about leading change, how does story fit into the equation? Yeah. I mean, I love, I do some work with uh, Fuller Youth Institute and um, Dr. Scott Cormode over there always mm -hmm. says like one of the biggest things you have to do and change is create a shared story of future hope. Mm. And I love oh, that. So good. Say a, that again. Let's say that again. That's so great. A, <laughs> a shared story of future hope. Oh, love that. And I mean, we see it in the Bible, right? We know mm. that Jesus told incredible stories and that was mm. what invited people in. And I think that's true. Mm. I think it's true for the church. I think it's true when we think about all kinds of aspects of, of how we lead and what we lead is that a story connects to people. A story is a thing mm. that will move people beyond just why it matters, but it like you can feel it, right? It changes something because you feel something with a story. And so I think when we think about changes, what kind of stories remind us of what we wish we could get to? What do the stories tell us about what it could look like, what it could be like, or what it even has been like, and so therefore it needs to be like again? Mm. Um, there's something about a story that moves. And so I, I do think storytelling is a big part of leadership and spe mm -hmm. especially leading change. Yeah. So you're in the origin story right now of yeah. Hillsong Atlanta. What are some of those pieces that kind of, even as you're living it, you know, you're 
you know, obviously you're just a few weeks in, but yep. obviously you've been working on this for, for a while. What are some of those pieces that you bubble up that you think, mm, I think we're going to retell this story again when people say, remember the good old days, you know, five yeah. years from now when you look back, what are some of those things that are kind of sticking out in this season for you guys? I love that. You know, I actually said that in our staff meeting two weeks ago. I, I just said, what is the story you're telling this week of someone you haven't, you hadn't met until Hillsong launched, you know? Mm, love and it. we started telling these stories and it's incredible, right? I think we're telling stories about how God provided people um, mm-hmm. that we never would have guessed would have shown up or walked through mm-hmm. our doors. We're telling mm-hmm. stories of um, people who found a home that felt like they hadn't found a home in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, people who walked into church and saw people that looked like them and felt like them and people mm-hmm. who didn't and how that was the most beautiful thing they could have felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to tell stories of, you know, the ways God provided and surprised us with funds when we didn't have yes. any, um, yes. or, you know, different things going on globally that um, rock your world, but allow the church to be the hope and the restoration that we believe God invites it. it to be. So, yeah. Love it. Cool. Earlier when actually you were talking about your, your past, um, you talked about the fact that you, you know, led in a um, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church, you know, Hillsong is also that that's my impression of Hillsong as well, obviously as a global movement and specifically in various campuses around mm-hmm. uh, the States. When, when let's talk a little bit about that. How has that impacted leading change? What does, what does it look like to have people from different generations? different cultural backgrounds. How is that impacting, uh, you know, change management from your perspective? Yeah. Well, I think it's a few things. I mean, I think one, it's about having a perspective that's greater than the perspective you have yourself, right? From whatever Mm. vantage point I look at, whether it's because I'm a wife, whether it's because I'm a mom, but I'm a mom of adult kids at this point. Mm -hmm. Is it because I'm Canadian? Is it because I'm, you know, there's all kinds of things that shape how I see the world, but -hmm. you'll see the world differently because of that, because Mm -hmm. of your life, your experience, Mm -hmm. your things. And so that only broadens when you think about age and stage and you think about culture and you think about ethnicity and you think about all those things. We just see I mean, honestly, we even see the Bible differently because of those things. Mm, And so so when we think about um, change, it's so hard because our vantage point can limit our ability to actually succeed at change because you're Mm. not never just trying to change yourself. You're trying to move Mm. something for a whole group of people. And so um, I think it becomes really important to to invite voices uh, Mm -hmm. that represent all kinds of different groups and people and stages Mm -hmm. and and life. Um, I think it's important to learn how to tell stories that communicate to all those ages and stages and that can feel like they can be felt. Because if I only tell stories as a mom, that doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense to somebody who isn't, right? right? Mm -hmm. Or if I only tell stories as a Canadian, yeah, that really Mm -hmm. doesn't work in Atlanta, right? But I mean, I think it's just about um, learning how to be just a communicator who can who can talk to all different types of people, but also a listener who invites the voice of all kinds of mm-hmm. different people to give yeah. you a fuller perspective of what it is that both you need to be getting after, but how you would even get there. Let's camp on that a little bit. I think there's yeah. something there for us all to learn from. Yeah. How do we invite people from the, the church? It's no it's no um, secret. Lots of churches are are pretty homogeneous. They're pretty like, hey, kind of everybody's the same here. In fact, I remember years ago, I've said this on the podcast. I remember when I was in seminary years ago, they actually even taught like that's actually how you should grow churches, the homogeneous unit theory 100%. of church growth, which was a really bad idea looking back on it. Um, <laughs> how, how do you invite folks from a wide variety? variety of backgrounds to the table, it sounds great, but it can create tension and it can create like, hey, this isn't, maybe it's, it, it creates extra cycles. What does that actually look like for you? How are you ensuring that you do that on your teams? 
Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, that was the story of the early church growth movement, right? And it mm-hmm. was an, it was successful, which kind of got us into trouble. Sure, because yes. it's always easier to be with people who look like you and think like you. Yep. Uh, but ultimately, there's always more diversity, I think, than we actually think there is. But that's mm. a whole other, probably, a different conversation. Mm. But I do think you're right. I mean, I I don't think it. I personally don't think it represents. Um, the fullness of the kingdom, nor the fullness of usually where you live or the mm. communities you live in. And sometimes just because who you know looks like you doesn't mean that's untrue mm. uh, or that it's fully true, I should say. So I remember one community I was um, serving in, everyone really thought it was a completely white community until I pulled mm. up the demographics and we realized right. it was 30% Hispanic, mm. but that wasn't represented in our church community at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. So I think that just took some real intentionality to say, okay, so just because we think it doesn't mean it's even true, but what right. does it look like now for us to go and look for that? Um, I think we have the luxury, certainly as a church plant to say, let's start there. Right. Mm-hmm. It makes mm-hmm. it easier in the sense of, okay, we're going to make sure that our table looks really diverse, um, but it's hard work, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the circle totally. in, you're in, depending on the leaders, you know, you might not know. And so I think it just takes some courage to step out and to maybe go find some people who don't look like you and think like you. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, to what you said, it's harder. Yes. Yeah, I'll yeah, never more... say it's not harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a longer <laughs> conversation. No, absolutely. No, which I, I exactly. But I think it. it's better. But I think yes, it's absolutely. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, so kind of related, but uh, in this season, as you've been building teams mm-hmm. to launch, um, you know, I think all churches across the country can identify. I feel like we're all in this mode of rebuilding our teams yeah. kind of post COVID and all that. We're all trying to figure out, okay, how, how do we do this again? What yeah. have been a couple of those things that have worked really well on either on the recruiting side or on the team building side on kind of attracting people to get plugged in and then actually plugging them in onboarding. How, how has that been going in this, this whole process for you? I mean, it's been wild. I think people, I mean, hands down, I believe that we're all wired, um, to do things on purpose with purpose, right? As Mm. cheesy as that line is. But I I mean, I really do believe that God has designed us to do things purposefully for the kingdom and people are seeking purpose. And I would Mm. say post COVID gracious, there was nothing that made people feel like less connected in both community and purpose because you were so stuck. Mm. And so I've actually really found that people are just overwhelmingly desiring to be mm. in a place where they can be in community with people and mm. where they can they can be a part of something that's greater than themselves. Mm. And I think the biggest thing is actually offering people a place to be in that and letting mm-hmm. them go. And they might mm-hmm. not do it the same way I would do it, but let's <laughs> sure, let them sure. go. Right. Yes. 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 Um, yeah. So love it. Yeah. Yeah. That that's good. Been, yeah. I love it. And and how do you continue to articulate um, to people uh, that like, Hey, what you're doing is hugely important. Has there been anything through this process that you've, as you tried to define for them, Hey, this is like you say something on purpose with a purpose. How do you define, or how do you communicate that to folks who are serving in roles that may not seem that way? You know, the person right. that's standing, you know, on your greeting team, uh, you know, handing out cookies or whatever. I know that's hard to do post COVID, but you know, if you're doing those <laughs> kinds of things, uh, yeah. how do we, how do we communicate that? How do we, what does that look like for you? Yeah. And I'll admit the South has been a little open. So, you yes, know, depending yes. on where you are in the country. Yes. Um, absolutely. 
Yeah. I mean, I think for us, one of the things we keep talking about is just that vision piece. And I keep asking all of our teams to do the same is how do you keep the vision ahead of people so that Mm -hmm. every piece you do feels like it matters because it's part of the greater vision. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm saying to people, you know, thanks for being on the street, helping people park, because if they couldn't find us and they didn't know how to park, they could never get in here, right? To, Mm -hmm. To meet Jesus. Like you're such a key part of helping them get to a place where they get to encounter Jesus. And mm-hmm. so I feel like it's just trying to keep the biggest vision ahead of everyone and mm-hmm. helping them know that whatever part they play um, is contributing to that, which isn't always easy, but I think it's something we try to fight for uh, because you can get into the weeds of just like, well, this is how you need to do everything. But I think then that greater purpose gets lost. So mm-hmm. try to keep it ahead. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So good. So now a part of leading change is allowing, uh, you know, allowing your team to try some things that maybe you think are not going to work. And because <laughs> sometimes that stuff works and sometimes it doesn't. Totally. Just, some examples of that, maybe on both sides, things have gone well, things that haven't gone yeah. well. What? Uh, let's talk about that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that is the joy of leadership, right? Um mm-hmm. But I think there's this, you know, there's this phrase like marry the outcome, date the framework, mm-hmm. um, where I just think there's something about um, there's a lot of ways to get to the same point. And we mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. And we have to, I think, as leaders, if we want people really invested in our congregations and feeling like what they're getting after matters, um, we have to give we have to give people the opportunity to lead and the mm-hmm. opportunity to help us build what we're trying to get after, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. while also holding everything with pretty open hands um, mm-hmm. <laughs> to mm-hmm. make sure totally. that we can we can tweak it and make changes along the way. But I think when people get to build it, they're way more invested in it. They'll always mm-hmm. care more about it. Um, mm-hmm. And if we can keep the outcome as as the golden, you know, as the North Star kind of thing, uh, mm-hmm. we can be okay with everything that gets us there. Love it. Have have you, um, when something doesn't go well, you know, you allow your team to try something, it doesn't yes. go well. How, what does the coaching look like for that? How do we, how do we help them come back from the like, okay, I was glad we tried this, but like that didn't work. Uh, how, how does that conversation go? Any kind of uh, thoughts on, on how we could lead those conversations better? Sure. Um, I think one of the things I learned along the way was I just invited people to try experiments versus putting something in gold from go. Mm, and mm. so I think when it's an experiment or let's try this somewhere first as a project or or as um as an event, um, mm. that gave us a lot, it's a lot easier to go in and coach. Like, what did we love? What did we not love? How would we do this again? Or how would we not do it again? Mm-hmm. When we've designed it as the entirety of a program we're now launching and then it doesn't go well, that gets us in, I think, is a lot harder as a leader and really a yep. lot harder on people. So yep. I think that was that's one of the biggest learnings I've had is to try to figure out how to create spaces to try things that are a lot less threatening for all of us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, that, and, and in fact, that's a great way to... F- even on the, you know, you might be listening in saying, hey, I'd like to try something. I'm not sure I can get it approved uh, internally if you're a staff right. pastor or staff te- you know, <laughs> team member. Actually, just articulating it to your leader as I just want to try this for X period of time. We're going to try this for this next season or for this summer or just once and see how it goes. Um, it, you know, it's a lot easier for leaders and people to swallow an experiment rather than, hey, we're committing to this as the way to go forward. I've seen way too many churches just crash on stuff where it's like, this is the future and then it doesn't work out. Uh, 100%. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, now you're actually, we have a mutual friend, Jerry McDonald, Jeremy yes. McDonald's a good yeah. friend of Canadian. And although, although most folks that are listening in aren't from Canada, you're involved in a, a coaching cohort there. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the, you know, the coaching cohort that you are involved with, with Jeremy and his team? 
Yeah, I mean, I love it. Listen, I started as a youth pastor. I feel like once all the good, pastor, all the best people did. Let's just be honest. All the best let's people. be honest. I totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree. But you know who doesn't always lead change well? Youth pastors. <laughs> mm, right, 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 right. Yes. But um, what I've just realized more and more is the gift that coaching and somebody outside of your church context can be. I think that's true for us. That's why we listen mm-hmm. to things like this, because mm-hmm. it's so good to get fresh perspective. But mm-hmm. I loved um, diving in with youth worker community to help them, you know, build this coaching cohort that's just for youth pastors. We've The youth pastors in it have been from Canada, the US, Jamaica. It's been mm-hmm. wild. But mm-hmm. to kind of get this almost international perspective on what God is doing in youth ministry, but giving people community and input and coaching um, that's just dedicated to them. So it's been a lot of fun and really good. Yep. Good. Yeah. We'll, we'll put a link to it. I, I, sure. I love Jeremy. He's a great guy. We'll put a link in the leader. show notes yeah. uh, to, you know, to that. I would particularly, I think for senior leaders that are listening in, if you're looking, if you're like, I'm not sure what to say to my youth pastor, I'm not sure how to, you know, what conversation <laughs> you should have. This could be a great uh, way to gift that to them. It's like, Hey, this would be, what if you tried this for another season? Uh, it could be a fantastic piece uh, of the puzzle. I'm kind of in a bit of a different direction. You provided a resource that we're going to provide, uh, you know, provide a link to it in our show notes. It's called mm-hmm. Waking Up Stories of Jesus, Race, and Reconciliation. Um, this You did this with our friends over at Orange. You know, love them. Uh, it feels like over this last year, um, mutual friend of ours, Kerry Newhoff, who's obviously a big part of the Orange thing as well. One of the things he's been saying is, I, I really do, which I think is true. I think a lot of us are going to look back on 2020, 2021, and although COVID will be a part of the conversation, I think there's a much larger conversation that is uh, opening up all across the country around around really race and reconciliation. And what does that look like? And how do we lead that? And how does, as church leaders, what is our piece of that puzzle? Can you tell us about this resource and kind of uh, what led you to put it together? And and what are you hoping that folks get out of it who, uh, you know, take some time to, to, to read it and process yeah. it? I think for me, it was really, um, I was asked by some good friends um, of color, how did I get to where I am? How did Mm. I get to a place where I care about it? And what were the things that shaped me along the way? Mm. And that was kind of how the whole thing, how the whole project began. And for me, it was trying to reflect on how can I connect my story as a white Canadian who does Mm. not necessarily understand the history, um, Mm -hmm. first of all, in the United States, and then, you know, the systems um, of race and oppression and where Mm -hmm. racism exists and kind of what's been my journey to waking up and Mm -hmm. where, where does God sit in that, in my story? And so the hope was just to say, if you could just read a little bit of my story and where that happened, how might that help you as you Mm -hmm. journey in your own story and hopefully making it feel um, not intimidating and Mm -hmm. not, um, Mm shame ridden, which I think mm-hmm. sometimes it can feel and doesn't help us. It doesn't help us learn when we feel that way. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's great. It's a fantastic resource. I think it could be really, uh, you know, super healthy for super helpful for you. My wife and I just were in a be the bridge group this, uh, mm. really spring, I guess that started in January and it's just wrapping up and it's been, it's been a great experience awesome. in a similar kind of way where I'm like, Hey, there's, uh, there's a bunch here and have had some really pointed questions from some friends, uh, who even though they're friends of mine, folks I know, it's like that context gave them the ability to lean in and vice versa for us to actually have you know, a bit of a deeper conversation rather mm-hmm. than just skirting on the surface That's around good. these issues. So I, I think this is, could be a great resource for your team uh, to even wrestle through and think about, okay, how, how are we processing these issues? So it's yeah. a fantastic resource. I'd encourage people to pick it up. It's great stuff. 
Now, this has been great. What a fantastic conversation. I'm, I'm so thankful for you to give us, you know, 25, 30 minutes in the middle of church planning season. I really appreciate it, Lizette. But is there anything else you'd love to share just as we wrap up today's episode? No, listen, this is so fun to me. So I appreciate <laughs> nice. it. It's, um, you know, I think in some ways, all of us are church planting right now. Honestly, mm, it's, totally. it's a season when we're all rebuilding. And I think just to not be afraid of, of change and not be afraid of getting after what it is that you believe that God is putting a f- ahead of you. I think I still believe that the local church is the hope of the world, you know, because mm. of Jesus. And so we just get to lean in and do the best we can and praise be to God. He's in charge. Love it. Well, I want to make sure people connect with you online. If Where do we want to send them online if they want to connect with you or, or with the church? Where, where do we want to send them? Sure. I mean, I feel like Instagram is the place of the world these mm-hmm. days. And so I'm <laughs> on there at just lisette.fraser. Um, yes. You know, Hillsong Atlanta is there. I do have mm-hmm. a website. I'm happy to connect with people would love to. Um, I love that we get to, you know, co-labor all over the world together. So love it. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you being on the show today. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.